to Conversion Stories, where I share my conversations with members of The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. I am your host, Joey Erickson. In today's episode, you will hear Robard Abraham share what his experience was like growing up in the church in the Philippines and how that experience resulted in a firm testimony. The importance of prayer, scripture study, and attending church are a big part of his conversion. Robard finds strength in knowing there is an instant family wherever he attends church. And after sharing his experience with infertility, he encourages couples struggling with infertility to find comfort within their church families. I hope you enjoy my conversation with Robard. Rob, I appreciate you joining me this evening to share your testimony journey. Um, why don't you start just by introducing yourself, maybe hobbies and work and family? Okay, so my name is Robard Abraham, and um, I'm basically an immigrant to the United States of America. I was born in the Philippines, so I came here to this country. I was already an adult. I was in my 30s. And I came here as a physical therapist. And so I also grew up in the church, a little background in the church, but we'll get to that specifics. But for now, basically, I've been in the United States for over 18 years. And it was a process to get here. It took about five years just to get a visa. Mm. And then once I get here, I I waited for another five years as per regulation with the U.S. government to actually apply to become a U.S. citizen. So I'm not illegal. And uh, I'm legal, uh, but it took almost 10 years to, to, to get my uh, citizenship and all that. So I'm a practicing physical therapist. I have a doctorate degree. I went to school in Denver, Colorado to get my degree in, in uh, physical therapy. And I also uh, i am a wound specialist and I got my uh, certification in Boston. And I currently I'm practicing at a local clinic over in Trenton, uh, a health center right here in Trenton. Uh, right in in Maine. So um, that's where I am. I'm, I'm married to uh, Mercedes Ang and we have one cute daughter. She's 10 years old and uh, we come to attend church at uh, Ellsworth Ward in Maine. Great. All right. Well, let's go back to growing up in the church. What was What was that like for you? Okay. So I can start in many different ways but one of the things as I was thinking about um, Joey inviting me to do this one is I can go back as early as basically when I was really young so a little background about myself it's a little bit unique uh, I would say uh, in a way that I'm kind of I'm blessed in a way because my parents were actually pioneers of the church so um, they joined the church way before I was born a little background is that my father, he's a forester, and my mom, uh, she basically went to school to become a school teacher, but she never practiced her profession until we were in high school. Mm-hmm. Uh, she was a very devout uh, housemaker and made sure that we, uh, she was home when we were home, when we come home from school. In between, she would do some, some business uh, transactions and odd jobs and other things, but one of the things that she did was she was always home when we come home, because that's the first thing is we, we look for, we look for mom. 
And then we just say, hey, mom, when we come home. And then she'll say, I'm over in the kitchen. And then as long as we hear her voice, we just drop our bags and then go out and play again. So they actually joined the church before I was born. And they joined the church in, on June 7, 1970. I was born in 73, so definitely they joined the church before I was born. And uh, the church was very, very new in the Philippines. And in fact, when they joined the church, um, the church was not even organized in the city where they lived. In fact, he was the first branch president when it became a small twig. We, call, we won't do, do a, call it branch. It was a twig. It's like just a few people. Mm. And from that, it has grown into a lot of members. And record-wise in the church, my father, um, he was a mason, and he was also a Christian scientist. So he he just didn't join the church because he was cool, and, and there were American missionaries that were teaching. Mostly American missionaries were the only missionaries that you see during that time. So he didn't join the church just because it's, it's kind of unique. But he joined the church because he read all, everything that they had to give to him, and, and he felt the... The, the, the Holy Ghost and then he joined the church um, so and again he, he was the leader of the church and um, basically when I was when I was growing up I just knew that it was it was just the church and so I remember when I was a kid that basically it was two parts like that you have to go on a Saturday morning and a Saturday afternoon I don't know why but I um, it was split, and then there was in the Sunday morning that we would have to go to church again. And then in Sunday afternoon, we gotta, gotta go to church again. I said, oh, "Well, there's a lot of church here," um, and the, so that's my memory. And then I also have a lot of memory with primary, which is great. Uh, we have activities every week, like on a Saturday. Uh, we had we go to uh, the church ground and we we play, and then we learn about the church. One of the things that I really remember that's kind of has stuck with me is my mother's dedication to the church and her dedication to always uh, read to us the scriptures and really taught us how to pray and so that has been with me um, through all the years of my growing up in the church is that I learned how to pray when I was really really young and we would have scripture study as well and and because you know, it was my dad that literally would gather us around and say, okay, you know, uh, boys and girls, come on out of your room. We're going to do our scripture study. So he would preside over the scripture study and then we would open up our scriptures. And of course, it was all in English. So we, we had to read it. And then I didn't really know what I was reading because it was deep languages in the scripture I don't really understand. But then my father would expound it and then he would cite examples and would make it easier for us to... To understand and then since my father he was a forester he would travel uh, different places including overseas he would he, he was in American Samoa he was in the United States he was in Hawaii so most of the time I, he, I was growing up also there was some time where it was just my mother but like I said you know my father was out you know providing our family my mom was mostly home making sure all six of us uh, have Two sisters and uh, um, three brothers. So there's six of us in the family. And my mother always made sure that, you know, we have our family prayer in the morning. We wake up. I was so sleepy and, you know, I get kicked out of bed. And then you have to crawl in and kneel. You can't just stand up and sit. You have to kneel down in a circle and then, you know, you got you to gotta pray. And that's, that's every single day. 
So I grew up that way. Sometimes I would rebel. It's like, I'm really sleepy. I don't want to. But then they get mad. So I would literally just crawl out and, and pray. So mornings are always started with a prayer. Uh, and then in the evenings, we have scripture studies. And like I said, the most consistent was at least once a week on Sunday afternoon, especially when my dad is around. But on days that he's not around, my mom is there. And uh, she would do the same thing. So as, as we were growing up, we were introduced in the gospel. We were introduced how to read the Book of Mormon. And then, of course, my mother, when we were in, in high school, she volunteered to become a seminary teacher. Uh, even, no, even before I was in high school, she was actually already teaching seminary. And, of course, my stu their students are my siblings, my older siblings. I'm the fifth in the family, so I have four um other siblings that are older than me and they all became students of my of my mother and a different time when my mother was no longer the seminary teacher i remember when i was in uh, high school where we have to wake up 4 30 in the morning to be able to attend seminary and we have to walk about half an hour from our home to the church and you're walking on really dark dark places and the dogs in the Philippines, they are bred not to be your pet and your friend. They are bred to watch and, and become guard dogs. So I, we, we met a lot of dogs along the way that would come out from their houses or fence and they would chase us. And we would run as fast as we can because they were so big and they were so scary. So every morning we have to go through those dog infested roads just to get to the church. And we would get there around 5 o'clock. And then we'll have seminary, early morning seminary from 5 to 6. And then we have to go back home because our school starts at 6.30 and then up to 3 o'clock in the afternoon. So that was like a, a daily thing. And so the church to me is nothing really new, but it was more like part of what I did growing up. And a lot of those things, as, as I've said, is the factor was my mother. Um, she was home. And she was always there and she taught us how to pray. She taught us how to read the scriptures and she was our seminary teacher at one point. And then when she was not, we had to walk to the church as I um, mentioned. And that really have helped me develop my testimony. And so going back to primary, because my, my mother always teaches us things at home. When I went to church, after, because the church in the Philippines, it was not structured that you start with, with, Sunday, uh, with sacrament. Sacrament was the last part of the, uh, the, the program. It always starts with classes. So when we get to church, everybody goes to whatever class they have to go. And I would go to primary and then I would sit right there quiet and I would look at the teacher and I would sit for about three to five minutes and I would say, Look, I already know about that. My mother already told me that, so I'm going to go out and play. <laughs> now, there was a rule in the home that if we go home after church, if our clothes, like if we got sweaty and all wet, we would get spanked. And I got spanked a lot of times, almost every Sunday. And um, that's because of that. It's just, I felt like as I, as I was older and understood, you know, like Alma the Younger, it's like my dad... You know, he's like the brand's president, and he gets a son that's leading other primary kids to go out and play. And I was the leader of the group, and I would lead all those kids like, come on out, let's go play, let's go. You know, there's, there's some 
some really tasty mango, you know, and let's go over there and grab those mangoes. And, and so I would drag a lot of kids with me. And so that was part of the primary years. And of course, my, my mother, you know, she's kind of sad with, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, for what I did. And eventually I did try to change my ways and uh, I was a little bit more, you know, receptive to the teachers and I would just sit there nice and quiet and just listen. And indeed, I was wrong. It's like, you know, there's, there's still things that I didn't really know. It's just, you know, I was kind of, I don't know, a kid that I was like eight, seven, nine, those ages, I was really kind of hard-headed sometimes. But again, the persistence of the primary teachers, the persistence of my mother in being patient with what I've shown, you know, those bad behaviors, they were patient with me and just stuck on to me and continued to friendship, the, the friendship that they provided and the, thing, the things that they did really made an impact on how I became a teenager. And then of course, um, you know, growing up in the Philippines where it's like you are in school and you're the only one that's a member. I was kind of lucky because my cousin who I grew up with was also a member and there was another girl. Uh, so there were like three of us, but most of the time with my other siblings, they're the only members of the church. So they always, other members of the church I was growing up, they always make fun of Mormons because they said Mormons are like priests and nuns because we don't drink, we don't smoke, we don't have any fun. I said, yeah, we have fun, we play, we do a lot of, of uh, uh, you know, fun things. It's just we don't see smoking and drinking and doing drugs to be fun. And we get, we get a lot of those uh, people that mock us because of our membership and the things that we believe on. And sometimes they would say that, you know, our parents have, are wearing magic underwears um, which is they're referring to the temple garment. So we, we have those, but I'm, I guess I was a tough kid that I can let things that would, you know, whenever they do something like that, I just let it out on the other ear. So it never really affected me um, in a way. Um, so growing up in, in a country where there's not a lot of members is totally different. But again, uh, the key things is the love of my parents of the gospel, which I, I've seen and their example in teaching us how to pray and read the scriptures has really uh, blessed me. Uh, and then heading back a little bit forward, when I was in college, um, you know, most kids that I know, you know, when they go to college, it's like, yay, I'm free. I can do whatever I want. I can do all kinds of things. One of the things that my mother told me, he said, she said, Son, wherever you're going to go, whatever you're going to do, I'm not going to be able to see you. But you know what's right and wrong. And if for whatever reason you make poor choices and, and you'll die, I mean, I can't do anything about that. But if you die or something happens to you, but you were doing the right things, I would not be sad because I know it's your time to, to, to go to go. But she said that, but I promise you, if you continue to stay close to the church, you hang on to your testimony and you be at the right place and at the right time, you will be protected wherever you go. It's kind of funny because when I got my patriarchal blessing, you know, the, the, uh, the, the patriarch never knew about that. And he also had a statement very similar to what my mom said. So, applying for the mission 
when I was in college, I mean, nobody really told me to apply for admission. And it's just all the examples that I've seen from my parents and my older siblings, I mean, motivated me to say, I want to go on a mission. And so I did. I applied for a mission and did all the requirements. And uh, I was assigned locally in the Philippines. Uh, for those that know the history of um, the Philippines where America liberated the Philippines through General MacArthur, that's where I served, where General MacArthur actually landed to liberate the Philippines in the 1940s. That's the area where I served. And I was there and I learned new la uh, dialect because they speak a different dialect. Uh, it was kind of crazy when I get there because I see all these Filipinos and I don't know what they're talking about. I have no clue what they're talking about. And so the, the motivation to learn and pray and, and just learn the language was, was a big thing. And it's amazing how when you are doing the Lord's work, you think of it, this is the Lord's work. And if you ask for his help, he will really help you. I was amazed that I was able to speak their language in just under two months. But again, it's, it's the gospel. And, uh, and it's a lot of effort that you do just to learn on how to, to speak their language so you can teach them in their own tongue. And and because the only way is that you're gonna have to speak to them or talk to them in English, which is what the instructions are, and and most of them they don't understand English, so you really have to speak to them in their own language so they will understand the message of the gospel. And going backtrack a little bit about that, uh, well, while I was in the NPC, you know, I know it was kind of silly, but I had this question in my head. I said, I asked the question. Do I really have a testimony of the gospel? Or I'm just going with the flow. I'm just going with my parents' testimony. Do I really have a testimony? And I'm telling you, this is like seven days while in the MTC. I asked myself, like, do I really have a testimony of this Book of Mormon that I'm gonna be that I'm gonna be teaching? So I asked that one evening when all of my companions and all the people, all the missionaries at the MTC were asleep. I knelt down really, really hard and I prayed, Heavenly Father, can you tell me really if this book of Mormon is true? And you know what happened? Blank. Mm. Nothing. And then all of a sudden I felt like, there was like a big voice talking to me. Why are you asking these questions? You already know the answer. And then a flash of, a, a flash of things in my head was all the things that I have been blessed with. And so what made me realize is that I already had a testimony and it was there. It, it literally had grow, grown into me because of the examples, because of the things that I have been doing. I actually had developed that testimony. And I don't know why I asked that question, but I did. But that was the answer. There was no, no like rush down, cold water, warm feeling. It was like a blank dull, nothing. It's just like, why are you asking the, this question? You already know the answer to this question. It's probably too late for you to, answer, to ask this question. But anyway, that, that's, that's basically is what it was. So I went and served, you know, Philippine Stack Globe and Mission and served the two full years. And that was really life-changing because as you know, when you serve full-time mission, it is also a training towards marriage you got to get along with your companions. So while I was on my mission, 
and I know it's probably not common, but I had like 15 companions. And not that, I'm, not that I'm a bad missionary, but I was actually the one that got paired to missionaries that didn't do well. There was one time uh, during my mission that in one month I had four different companions. And one of those, uh, two of those weeks were basically I was trying to be a companion to a missionary that was going somewhere but they couldn't find a companion because he had some problems and so I was like paired to that to that missionary and I asked my mission president I said president why are you torturing me I said well not really torturing you it's just you I know I know you can handle these people I said okay whatever you say but one of those missionary and um, and I really learned this lesson too because that missionary was really having a hard time and he was um, he was very verbal to his previous uh, companion, and he was not getting along really well. And so the mission president took him out and then gave him uh, basically transferred him to to become my companion. And so we were only working for like a few days, and then one evening he was so quiet, and and I, you know, I didn't really thought about it. And uh, he, he did, I went to bed after we prayed. Uh, usually 10 o'clock was the, uh, the time that we need to go to bed. And it was kind of strange because he was still awake. But I did went to bed and then the following morning he was gone. He literally went home. And he left a small letter and he said, I'm, Elders, I'm so sorry, I have to do this. And I had that personal letter and he told about his struggles at home that he wanted to be home. And so I did have that impression during that time to say, you gotta talk to this elder. And I, I didn't listen to the Holy Spirit on that one. So there are moments in my life that that perfect example that whenever I feel something whispers to me that I have to do something. So it's a motivation for me to do something about it because of that experience. Because maybe if I could have talked to that elder when I woke up the next morning, he probably would still be there. I don't know, but it was really weird feeling that, you know, you wake up and you don't have any more companion. That was really a weird feeling. But anyway, um, I, I feel really blessed in a way for being a member of this church. And um, one of the things I really enjoy is that the church is universal. As I mentioned to, to you all, that I was actually born in the Philippines and I'm now living here in the United States. When I came to the U.S. back in 2005, no, yeah, 2005, early 2005, I didn't really fear anything because in the back of my head, I say that the church is family. And wherever I go, and the first, the first city that I lived in the U.S. was in uh, Houston, Texas. Actually, uh, uh, right next to Houston is a small town called Spring. And the first thing that I did when I got there was to locate the church. And that's the first thing I did. And it was amazing. Well, I didn't have a car. I didn't have any, any um, vehicle. So guess what? One of the, uh, one time there was like garage sale on our neighbor. There was a bike and I bought it for 20 bucks. So that's what I used to go to church. It was not too far. So I used the, uh, the bike and I would get to church on time and uh, attend church. And then eventually when, when I had to uh, start practicing my profession. I had, you know, I, I uh, became a traveler and I moved out of Texas and then I came to Maine. 
and again the same the first exact same thing that I did you know was to literally look at look at look where the church was so my first uh, city in Maine that I lived was in Millinocket Maine that's a northern part of Maine and and the first thing they did and I worked with Millinocket Regional Hospital and I only lived like a couple blocks down the road so the first thing I did was look up on the uh, the area book or the uh, the telephone book and uh, look for the church and I tried calling people and then eventually I found Charlie Wrightsey um, and I told him I contacted him and I introduced myself um, and and you know the way the way the Rob name came about is because whenever I say my name is Robard they'll always say what Robard said what Robert uh, rhubarb um, I've been called all kinds of names like rhubarb like the plant or Robert or so I eventually just came out you know what it's a very American name call me Rob that's just short name now, a lot of people that actually knows a uh, little movie history is my mother got my name from Jason Robards. He's an actor back in the 70s, and that's where she got my name. So, but because a lot of people say my name is Robards, they're like, what, what's your name? They can't remember, I said, my name is Rob. Oh, that's easy to remember. So you're gonna be called Rob from here on. I said, okay, so be it. So now, a lot of people in the church actually calls me Rob, and that's the history of where Rob came from. But a lot of times when I say, my name is Robard, it's the same as Jason Robard. They said, oh yeah, the actor. Yep, there you go. So that's, that's, that's the history. But anyway, going back to my story about when I got hold of Charlie Wrightsey, I told him that <clears throat> I'm a member of the church and that I wanted to go to church this coming Sunday, but I do not have a vehicle yet. I just got to Maine and I'm trying to purchase a vehicle and all that. And he just said that, yeah, we'll come pick you up. Where where you live? I said, you know, I'm just down the road from the hospital, and they did. They picked me up, then went to church, and and I've always perceived that the church is my family. So I'm not a shy person. I'm a talker, and I'm I make friends really easy. And so I blended with the church in Lincoln, and uh, eventually made a lot of friends. And then I would hang out with Charlie Wrightsey on the weekend. It's just him and his wife. And uh, we would do uh, family home evenings on Mondays and then on uh, weekends he'll ask me to come over and help him out with his canoe because he likes to build things and he likes to have extra hands. So that, that's me, the extra hand. So I was, I, was, uh, I was learning a lot of things about, you know, the culture in America and all that. And I learned a lot of things uh, from Charlie Wrightsey. So we became really close friends. At the same time, I made a lot of friends at the church who helped me grow and felt like I was home. In fact, when I did got married, because my girlfriend then, uh, Mercedes, was living in the Philippines when she decided to uh, come up and see me and uh, eventually we decided to get married. We got married in Boston Temple in 2007. And believe it or not, um, I didn't have any family. None of my parents or my siblings could attend because it was way too far. So I just had like a very simple reception uh, over at the, somewhere in Boston. Uh, it was a Thai uh, restaurant where some of my friends that were able to attend my, my wedding, uh, we had that little reception. And then when we came to ho home to Maine, guess what? My family, Lincoln Branch, they did a fantastic reception. 
Mm-hmm. Fantastic. And he, we, one of the members even went down to our wedding in the Boston Temple and became the official photographer. And so we have amazing pictures. But anyway, when we came back to Maine, we had another reception, big reception. It was amazing. They held it at the church and everything was just ready. All we have to do is show up and they did everything. The cake, the dance, everything, the program, everything. It, I'm, I'm so blessed um, wherever I go. Um, it's just that's just the way it is, I guess, you know. If you stay close to the church, you will always have family. And those type of family, you know, are, are good people. Very, very good people that uh, help strengthen, uh, strengthen you. Whatever phase in your life uh, you're going through, whether you're having some difficulties and whatnot, all I can say is that you stay close to the church and stay close to your family, which is the church. This is universal. Wherever you go, it's the same thing that you're learning. And it's about the gospel of Jesus Christ and the gospel of love and acceptance and, and all that. Um, so I, I'm really, really blessed to have the church as my family. And now here, um, fast forward, basically, um, I'm here in Trenton now and I'm serving in the, uh, the, the bishopric. I'm second counselor in the bishopric. And I'm married with Merce- uh, to Mercedes Zhang, and we have a daughter named Jade Esther, and she's 10 years old now. And um, she's going to a local school, and we're doing the best that we can. I mean, I tell myself, I can't, I can't go wrong with just one kid. I, you know, there's so, many, there's so many voices that keeps you busy throughout your lives, throughout your day. I mean, your work your other things, that your extracurricular activities. But one of the things that I always look forward are conferences, like what, what we just had a, a recent conference. And the things that the prophet admonishes us to do, I always look forward to his message because it's always is really, really a needed message to me. And, you know, like I said, even though I only get one child, it's still a struggle sometimes to really find the time to read the scriptures and, and prayer. But one of the things I did made sure that my daughter feels comfortable doing is praying, reading the scriptures, and attending church. Because those were the three things that my parents did to me and uh, that really helped me stay where I am. Now, going back a little bit ways uh, in between my, my, uh, my days from college and my practicing my profession, I had the opportunity to actually work in the temple and I was one of those um, I had the opportunity to become an ordinance worker in a very young age and so one of the things that I can tell you about the temple if you are just attending temple you're just seeing the tip of the iceberg if you actually work in the temple you will learn a lot of things on how the temple works like all the things that that is not visible to just a patron you will learn a lot of things like the names how they how how they come out and whatnot and 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 just a lot of things that you learn about the ordinances um when when you're leading the uh the uh, sessions and all that it's just an eye-opening experience so i would encourage anyone that would be listening to this podcast if you have the opportunity to serve in the temple, do it. If you are single and you can, if you can do it like I did when I was single, 
that you can have all the time because it's different when you are married. You you know you got to take care of your family, you got to take care of your wife and the kids and all that. But if you're single, and you can do it, do it, because a lot of the a lot of the things that you're gonna you that that will strengthen you down the road when because there are moments where you will feel weak, you're vulnerable to Satan, you're vulnerable to temptations and all that. But if you start planting seeds that would help you strengthen your testimony when you're at that situation that you're weak, you can look back and say, you know, you had the experience with mission and how did that felt, how you felt about the the experiences that you you uh, that happened and all those things that you can look back and draw strength. I would say mission life, temple experience are two of the, the best things that you can do that would really, really help you strengthen your testimony and, and would help you stay in the church. Because without you doing you know, those things, there's nothing to look back and strengthen you. And as we know, we can't live on borrowed testimony which I thought I was living on borrowed testimony when I told you about, you know, that MTC experience where I had to pray whether the church and the Book of Mormon is true or Joseph Smith was true. That that you know, you can't live on borrowed testimony. You gotta have your own, and the time will come where it's just gonna get even worse. I mean, you could see the world in which we live now is so uh, polarized that you know, just professing to be a Christian you're going to be in trouble. Um, so, but again, this we are living in the last days and uh, we have the gospel. And we if we can share the gospel whenever the opportunity presents itself, it'd be a blessing. Now, talking about in the same aspect, um, I remember when I was working in Melanocket Regional Hospital and I was taught that part of the culture in the U.S. is that you don't talk, talk Two things that you don't talk at work. That's politics and religion. So I put that in my head that I will not talk about those things. But one time I was doing, I was seeing a patient and she was actually Asian. She was married to a, uh, a service man. And um, basically she's from South Korea and she married an American soldier. And so she moved to the U.S. And I was treating her and there was an impression, very strong impression to start talking to her about the temple and about life after death. Cause she was so depressed. She was so sad that her dear husband passed away and that she's all alone and that she will never see him again. And that she was so sad that why she, does she have to go through this pain and all that. And so I had, I had the impression to tell her about the gospel, about that there is actually life after death. And she said, really? What is that all about? So I started talking every time we have a, a treatment session. Usually uh, treatments are about an hour. And if I hook her up with some machines, then I get the chance to chat with her. And so I started talking to her about, you know, life after death and that families can be together forever and that, that about the temple. So she became really interested and I introduced her to, you know, the missionaries. And unfortunately... After a few months, I, I moved out of uh, Millinocket and I moved down to Machias. But I was able to connect her to the couple missionaries and some of the members of Lincoln Branch. And unbeknownst to me, a few years after I never really heard of her, Charlie writes his wife 
just out of the blue said, Hey, Rob, do you know Kyung? She joined the church. I said, Really? Yes, she did. She joined the church. So the years after that, when there's state conference, I always see her and every time she sees me, she always gives me a big giant hug and tells me and, and thank, thank me for introducing the church. And I said, that was just an impression that I, I received and I listened to it and I'm really happy you joined the church. And so every conference, you know, we see each other and we talk about yesteryears and talk about her life and all that. And she's really happy. She's been to the temple and uh, she's been learning more things about the church and she's really, really grateful. So again, you know, whenever you get the impression to open your mouth, open your mouth. Even though in the back of my head, I'm not supposed to talk religion and politics. But again, we were the only two in the treatment room. And, and I felt the impression to open my mouth and share the gospel. And that's where it led. And so again, um, one thing that makes me come to church every Sunday is because I know that the church is true. And the only way that you would know that if you really seek it by yourself and, and create your own testimony. And that's the only way that you, you will stay in this, in this uh, church. And again, if you seek out the words of the prophet and even the local leaders of this church, you will feel that burning feeling and the sense of peace, which is, that's basically is what we're looking for, is that peace in this world. And that's what the gospel promises us, is to have, you know, peace in this world and then in... Uh, and, and, and in the world to come. So I can speak on and on about other experiences, but um, that's pretty much is a nutshell that uh, I can share in this podcast is that I really know that the church is true. And why I know the church is true, number one, is because of the people that influenced me and guided me, which are my parents in the beginning, and then my siblings, and then my family, the church. Any members of the church, the leaders of the church, their family. And I really appreciate what I see in this Ellsworth Ward where our bishop and, and the counselors and, you know, the auxiliary leaders are so caring and so loving. Imagine they attend, you know, baseball games of, 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 of the youth and just being part of their lives. It's really amazing. And hopefully this will have an impact to our youth because they are our future leaders of this church. And if we continue to love them and guide them, they, they will also do the same thing and serve, serve the Lord with, their, you know, with love in their hearts and serve the people that they, wherever they go. And, and that's just one thing that I've learned also from my mission president is that he told me, grow where you're planted. Because I've been assigned to difficult areas where, holy moly, it's like the same street you go over and over. It go, you go nuts. Nobody wants to talk to you. You go nuts. So I don't know for those people that serve actually a mission, you'll understand what I, what I mean when you just have a small area or even a bigger area where you just go pretty much the same street over and over every single day. But the, if you have that thought in your head, you always want to grow. You grow where you're, where you're planted. And that's always been my, my thing that I took to heart from my mission president is that wherever I go, I'll try to serve whatever capacity they asked of me. 
to, to, to serve because that's how I'm going to grow. So whatever calling they're going to give me, it doesn't matter what it is. It's not about the type of calling, but it's how you will magnify that calling that is given to you. That's what really matters. So again, I am grateful to be a member of the church. And I have a testimony of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints that it does hold the, uh, the gospel, the full gospel of the Church of Jesus Christ. Uh, I'm not saying that, you know, other churches are not, are, are, you know, are, are bad or that it's not good. It's just they're teaching truth, but it's, it's, it's lacking some things. And the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints really, um, which is a family-centered church, basically has the 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 right ship and the right map to get you back to our heavenly father's presence and it's very important that you get you get into the right ship and the right map to get back to the presence of our father in heaven and that is my solemn testimony that i'm sharing with uh today's podcast from from uh joey and i really appreciate her you know inviting me to do this one and for those that are listening, like I said, I could pretty much sum up my, my life is, you know, it is a blessing to be a member of this church. And if, if, if you have somebody that could mentor you or make friends or just, just find somebody that's strong in the church that can help you out with your testimony. And it will have an impact in your life and, you know, find time to serve the Lord. In whatever capacity that you can find because the time that you serve the Lord will also serve you down the road if you become weak in your testimony there's always something to look back and strengthen you if you look back and you never serve then there's nothing to strengthen you back but if you serve the Lord when you are pressed upon impressed upon to serve the Lord this will strengthen you as you walk down the path of this world there you go. I like it. I like it. I did have I have one question as you were talking. Because um, some of our listeners may be dealing with infertility or struggling with accepting the Lord's will. And I'm wondering for you, um, being blessed with one child, was that hard for you? It was hard. Okay, so let me tell you about that. So one of the things that I, um, I didn't get married young because I was afraid that I would really struggle with life financially and all that. So I decided to literally, which was, again, the, the prophet said to basically, you know, find a good, a good spouse and, you know, get married in the temple. I procrastinated on those things and I guess I'm paying for it in a way. And, um, but anyway, so when we, when Mercedes and I got married, we didn't have any children. For seven years, we tried. Never had any children. Why? I don't know. And then finally, after seven years of struggling to get pregnant and all that, she uh, finally did. Uh, and then we have Jade. And then um, Mercedes wanted to have more kids. But we were already in our 40s. And in fact, she did get pregnant, you know, uh, the year after Jade was born. But she had a miscarriage. Mm -hmm. 
And then after that, we tried and tried and never really had any. And we decided to even think about adopt, adopting and we did went through the process of adopting, but eventually we gave up because it was just too much requirement, too many things that they required that we weren't able to do like all the seminars that we have to be together and all that. But because of our work schedule, it just didn't work out. So for, for those that basically um, struggle on those things, uh, in a way, even though we do have one child, but we still long to have more children, the gospel of Jesus Christ, you know, has, has it goes beyond that. And again, if you look at, if you look at the church, you look at, you know, you go to the church and you say, brother, sister, you just don't say that. They're actually your brother's. I do have a brother from another mother that I call my best friend. You know, he's like Italian guy, big dude, spends like an hour on his hair to make it look nice. But he's my best friend. Even though we don't meet, we don't see each other often, we call brother, you know, like brother from another mother. But one of the things that you can do is that for those that actually do struggle and wanted to have children, and I know it's easier said than done, but again, find the opportunity to serve primary you can be a sister there's all kinds of primary kids your neighbor if you're older you can have younger neighbors or whatever they can be your brothers and sisters and you can serve them you can spend time with them you can have your own kids you can adopt you can literally also not officially adopt but make friends to other children or kids and whatnot just find the opportunity to find somebody that needs you. And it may be, it may not be your very own where you, you know you get to raise them, but there is a blessing however that this world has a lot of imperfections, but we are still going to get blessed after beyond this world when our body, when when a perfect body will be given to us and we will have our own family. One of the things I would really um, I say encourage for those that struggle on these things is get your patriarchal blessing and then see what's in there. Some of the things that are actually in the patriarchal blessing may not be intended for this world but in the world to come. But again, for those that, that wants children and you can't have any children of your own, I mean there's other options you can adopt or just serve in the church. Serve in the church, serve in the primary. Go talk to the bishop and say, hey, bishop, you think I can serve in the primary? Volunteer. You don't have to wait. You can volunteer. You can be proactive. Again, it takes courage to do that. And I have friends that do, don't have any children. And it is painful. In fact, sometimes it has an opposite uh, effect that they don't want to be in church because they see kids and it reminds them that they don't have any kids. But again, I would say, Get your patriarchal blessing. Seek, you know, people that are are strong in, in the church. Befriend them. And then just talk to them about these things. Because remember that our prayers are answered by Heavenly Father through other people. It's not like Heavenly Father is going to come down or an angel Moroni is going to come down and, and, and bless you with these things. It's not. Heavenly Father is going to touch other people and guide them. And then that's how you're going to get blessed. So in my experience, those were the things that I have seen that have helped my, my friends and the people that I know find comfort 
in those things that they don't have any any children and they would like to have children. They started, you know, um, working in the primary and just befriending people that have kids and they become their godfather and godmother. I am a godfather. I mean, we don't have that in the church, but I am a godfather in some of my friends uh, that are Catholic in the church that basically, you know, they wanted me to be the godfather and, and all that. So that's that's what I have to say on those things. Mm, I think that's great, great counsel. And as you were talking, I was just thinking about President Nelson's most recent talk about thinking celestial and thinking beyond this earth life. And I love that. Thank you. You're welcome. I love when Robard talks about his relationship with Charlie and Judy Wrightsey. You can listen to their conversion stories in season one. If you would like to see a picture of Robard, you can go on Instagram to Conversion Stories Podcast. If you would like to learn more about the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, you can visit churchofjesuschrist.org. And if you would like to share your conversion story, you can reach me at conversionstoriespodcast at gmail.com. I look forward to sharing your story.